glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Turn to, uh, we got three openings this morning. I want to go back to our text. We're closing out our series on the church. So I want to go to Matthew chapter 16. That's where we've been beginning. And then I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 28. And then I want you to turn to Romans chapter 5. You guys okay with three, three texts this is this morning? Is that all right with you? Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 28, and Romans chapter 5. I want to encourage you, uh, you know, we're growing, we're a growing church, and so there's lots of opportunity, lots of areas for you to get involved. Um, we've got a lot going on. There's more relational connections being made now in this season of the church than since I've been here. Um, we, there's just a lot of life, there's a lot of activity, there's a lot of people getting to know one another. <clears throat> Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. That's what the Bible talks. And, and the, the foundational part of the New Testament book of Acts, our church system and structure is made up of corporate meetings, smaller groups, and people meeting from house to house. And that's what we do. That's what we, it's not simple. It's not hard. It's not rocket science. We just try to put everybody in relationship. And one of the things that we've been saying that has kind of come out is you can't know or be in relationship with everybody, but everybody can be in relationship with somebody. And so that's the goal, that's the heart of what we're doing. So listen, these things, the connect groups, when we meet on Wednesday nights and, and uh, Friday nights that we do, and even Sunday mornings, it's not just a ritual. It's not just something that happens. It's something that there's life in it. There's, there's vibrancy in it, and you're getting to know one another, and, and uh, you're just establishing those relationships. So I just wanted to encourage you to do that. There's also lots of areas for volunteers. Everybody say volunteers. volunteers. There's lots of areas for you to get involved. There's children's ministry. There's youth ministry. There's ushers. Uh, there's parking lot attendants. <laughs> We're believing for that. Amen. Matthew chapter 16. Let's go there and then we'll go to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 16. This has been our foundational verse. It's probably been the longest series that I've, that I've ever taught. Here And so we're bringing it to a close. I feel like the Lord wants to move on to some other things. And so that's where we are, Matthew chapter 16, <clears throat> verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, Simon Peter answered, and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon of Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Everybody say keys. keys. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then you go to Matthew chapter 28. Of course, this is when Jesus was leaving and departing. And Jesus said, this is the great commission. In verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority, everybody say all, all. has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
Just in those two passages of Scripture, we see two pieces of Scripture. One that gives us the keys, and the other one that said, Jesus said, I've got all the authority, both in heaven and earth. Now you go, all authority. How many of you know what the word all means? I heard a uh, scholar, a Greek and Hebrew scholar, and he had studied and he had, he had vacillated between the, this word and he had studied the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic and the Chaldean. And he came to this great revelation that that word all literally means all. There is no authority that Jesus has not conquered. There is no dominion that Jesus does not have. And in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me both in heaven and in earth. Now you go. He deputized us. And so I was was trying to get all this. You know, I want the Lord to kind of wrap all this up in a nice pretty bow so we'll have a nice... You know, CD series, maybe a book one day, I don't know. But I wanted to wrap it all up, and so I just wanted to leave you today with some closing thoughts. But I'm not going to close the subject for you. I'm going to open it up even more today, and I'm going to ask you, this is an exhaustive subject that you can't, we, cannot, we cannot comprehend and we cannot get to the finite end of it in one series setting or even really in a lifetime. It's going to be a subject that we're going to need to study. It's going to be a subject that we're going to need to meditate on. It's going to be a subject that we need to walk in. Amen? And so the subject of authority, the subject of keys, the subject of dominion, this is all things that Jesus himself said, and yet we don't hear a lot of teaching on it. Because it's scary sometimes, especially in denominational settings or in religious traditional settings. It's scary because we like to believe. See, there's this, there's this idea in the world that God is in control. Well, there's, now I'm not, I, I, we were at a CAM meeting this past week, which is our network of churches that we meet together once a month, the pastors and the ministers. We get together once a month and we just fellowship and we hear the word of the Lord. We come together, we sharpen one another. And we had a, a time of just kind of sharing what was on our heart. What was everybody seeing? And one of the pastors who speaks into my life, his name is Gilbert Posey. We've got him and his wife scheduled to come later on in the year. We're, we're praying for uh, through a marriage conference that they're going to be coming. So be believing with me on that. But they're from Hilton Head. And they got, he's got a church over there. He's been pastoring it for 14 years, 12 years, something a long time. And he said, now I'm not a Greek scholar. Uh, there's, there, I don't claim to know as much as Mr. Calvin did back in the day. He said, but there's something about that statement that doesn't bear witness in my spirit. And everybody in the room said amen in that one that day. When, when we say that God is in control, there is a certain amount of that. I understand there is an element of truth in the sense of the entire cosmos from the beginning of time to the end of time. God has a plan and it will come to pass. But why would Jesus give us the keys and say whatever we bind and whatever we lose, that tells me that if you don't bind it or you don't loose it, then it may not happen in that area. It doesn't mean that it won't happen at all because if you won't do it, he'll find somebody else that will do it. But there's this idea that God is in, that God causes plane crashes and God causes earthquakes and things like that. Listen to me, guys. You're going to have to go before the Lord and you're going to have to judge these things for yourself. I will tell you this, that anytime you're coming up against a subject or anytime you're coming up against a doctrine 
or a theological statement of some sort. There's some things I want you to consider. This is at the end of my notes, but I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there now. It's your responsibility. I cannot, all I can do is lay out the Word of God. All I can do is teach and equip. That's what Ephesians says that that my role is to the five-fold ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors. It's to equip the saints. All I can do is do my best to try to impart and to equip to you what God is downloading and equipping into me. But I cannot know or have the revelation of that information for you. You've got to do that for yourself. And so there's some things, there's some guidelines I want to give you before we move on and close this out. There's some guidelines I want to give you. For when you come up on these things, what can you do? How do you, how do you rationalize? Well, you know, it was, uh, this must have been the will of God or this wasn't the will of God. How do you define that? How do you line that up? Number one, I want you to ask yourself, does this line up with the Word of God? Is it in the Bible? I've had people in my office that have argued till they are blue in the face. And I simply say, show me, show me Scripture. Show me the Word. Show it to me. I want to see it. What This idea or this, this, uh, this lightning revelation that we have sometimes in our society that everything that, got, that happens is in the will of God. Is it in the Word of God? Is it spelled out in the Word of God? Does it line up with the Word of God? Number two, does it line up Does it line up in a representation of what is in heaven? Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy what? Thy will be done on what? On earth as it is where? How do we know the will of the Lord for our lives? Or how do we know the will of God for earth? He said, when you pray, thy will be done on earth as it is already in heaven. So when you line these things up, when you're, when you're contemplating, you're stirring these things up, don't take my word for it. Don't take some TV preacher for it. Don't take some book that you read. Don't take your grandma, your mother. I'm saying line these things up. Number one, with the word of God. And number two, what is the representation in heaven? And number three, does it line up with the character and the nature of God. And last but not least, do you see it in the ministry and the life of Jesus? Four things. The Word, does it line up in heaven? Is it a representation of the character and nature of God? And does it line up with what Jesus did while He was here on this ministry? I don't know about you, but John 10.10 tells me that the thief comes not but... The only reason he shows up on our door is to steal, kill, and destroy. But God, but Jesus came that we might have life and have that life more abundantly. You remember, I guess it was about two years ago, we talked about the the cavern sometimes, the, uh, the huge deep abyss sometimes that is between the reality of our situation, where we're at currently and presently, And what we see the Word of God to say, sometimes there's a deep, deep well. (laughs) Can I say it like that? There's a lot of deep water in between that. You know it's God's will for for none to perish. That's what the Bible says. Jesus said it is not the will of God that any should perish. But yet we know that there are those that are perishing that don't know Jesus. How do we fill in that gap? Well, number one, it's not your job to fill in that gap with I think and I believe and this is my experience. Listen, you want to get off the railroad track of the Word of God and you want to get off into some really deep, 
deep water that is murky water and that will lead you down the, a deceptive road, try to fill in that blank with I think, I saw, and I, I believe according to my experience. No, 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 no. You can't. The just shall live by faith. What do you, you know, the, the, the thing that you do when you don't understand is what's going to set the platform for your growth in your life. Just like this morning, you know, we're, we're praising, we're dancing, you know. We're all here this morning, let's just be real. I mean, some of us are in it and some of us aren't. Some, some of us are looking around going, why is everybody jumping and shouting? And the others are going, why aren't you jumping and shouting? What's the difference? The difference is sometimes you don't feel like it. Sometimes you don't think you need to do it. Sometimes you may not know how to do it. And that's okay. Don't stay there. Move yourself. Do something. Move yourself. Because the, uh, because the, the life of a believer, and the life of the church is changing forever. I was, I've been reading a book. I'll read about three or four books at a time, and it'll take me about a year or two to read them because I'll dissect them. And I've been reading this book I started about a year and a half ago. It's talking about the apostolic reformation in the church. Now, what I mean by apostolic reformation, I mean that we believe in the fivefold ministry here at New Covenant Church. We believe in the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, and the pastors. We believe that the apostolic covering is a type of governmental covering, but that helps to speak into the local government of the church. We, all the elders, where's Casey Dunn left? Uh, uh, Brother Langston, Brother Bill, and Brother Morris, and then uh, Brother Casey, and myself are the elders of this church. We, we pray, we seek the Lord, and we make the decisions financially, spiritually, doctrinally, and everywhere other way for the direction of this church. And we do it within the plurality of leadership. And even though I am the pastor and I'm the, the head and I have, I, you know, that we believe that the vision comes from the head, I believe it's like a slab of meat. You know, I show up and say, okay, guys, here's the, here's the uh, Boston butt. This is what we're having for dinner. And then all the elders go, well, I got some coriander and I got some cumin. And I, if, you, if you're Casey, you got some ketchup. Casey <laughs> likes ketchup. And so we're, you know, we're, we're, we're marinating this meat. And then we come and we meet with the, t- the leadership team. We have a leadership team that, that implements and devises the strategies and the tactics. And we meet with the leadership team and we say, okay, here's what we're having for dinner. Meat. And then you have someone say, well, I think a nice salad would go with that. And you got somebody say, well, I can do some, uh, you know, some, uh, some baked macaroni and cheese or whatever. And so we see, and I'm using food because it's about time to eat, so I'm getting you all ready. So we use, we use that as an analogy of what we do. That is the apostolic covering in church. We believe in the apostolic covering, which is, which is our apostolic covering, which is Christian Alliance of Ministries. Which, which is Pastor L.A. Joyner, which he's retiring at the end of the year and we'll be transferring some of that. We'll talk more of that later. But, but so we believe in that. Now, he doesn't come in and tell us what to do, but he provides a spiritual covering for us and helps us and speaks into our lives. But ultimately, the decision rests within the local body of the church, which is us. Now, this book talks about how that type of church is exploding all over the world. And this is what he said. He said that the change that we live in a threshold in time of history 
He says that the, the most radical change in the way of doing church since the Protestant Reformation is happening now. Right now. The way we do church. We're doing church differently. I know we show up on Sundays and we do that, but that's good. But then we're doing all kinds of diversified stuff outside the confines of these walls. People say, well, y'all don't meet on Sunday night? No. Nope. Y'all don't meet on Wednesday night? No, nope, we don't. Not as a church. We meet as individual groups. Why? Because the, the, the nature of the New Testament church is relationship. Boy, I'm going to beat that till we Jesus comes back. Relationship. Relationship. I can't know everybody, but everybody can know somebody. And that's what we believe. The days of coming to church, hey, how you doing? And then leaving and not seeing anybody, not saying anything, not calling, not emailing, not texting, not Twittering, not Facebooking, is over. And so he said... That this is, not, this is not only a radical change, but the change is also coming more rapidly than we think. We live in a time when the, both the degree of cultural changes and the rate of cultural changes are accelerating alarmingly. George Barna, who's the Barna Group who does statistics and uh, analysis and stuff, says there's a great deal of disagreement among sociologists, but they all agree that change is happening faster today than ever before. Our culture is reinventing itself every three to five years. We are having new patterns of behavior two to three times per decade. We must be innovative in the church. Now, we don't just think of things to do. We don't just make it up in our mind and say, I think we ought to do this, and I think we ought to do that, and I think we ought to do that. No, we pray. We seek the Lord. We ask the Lord, what should we do as a church? What should we do as a local body to be innovative? and change? Not to just be innovative, but Lord, what are you saying to us? That is what we do, and that's how we are. But guys, listen to me. It's our job. Man, it got quiet on that one. It's our job to change the world. It's not the church's job to get the body motivated to change the world. It's our job as believers, as the body of Christ, the local church, which means called out ones. Any of you born again in this room, you've been called out to be a part of the church. That revolutionary cultural change is our responsibility together. And I'm telling you that the authority that Christ has given us, both in uh, delegation and in example, is what we should be following in this earth. Well, I don't understand it. Well, I don't either a lot of it. But that doesn't mean we don't walk in it. It doesn't mean we don't ask for further revelation. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 5. We're going to talk, well, this, is where, this is where we're going to bounce off of right here. Romans chapter 5. Paul is talking to the Romans. He's talking to the church at Rome. This subject has been probably one of the top five controversial subjects in, at best. You know, and in and, and, and the way that I think, if Jesus said it over and over again, had the disciples to implement it in their daily lives, then told us to do it, I mean, my gosh, it should be important to us to walk in a level of authority. But see, we don't understand kingdom mentality now. We don't, because we don't live in a uh, theocracy. We don't live in, a, in France or in England where there is a monarchy, where there is a king and a, and a kingdom. 
We live in the good old United States of America where everybody thinks that the people that we elect should reflect our ideals and our, and that's not the case. See, we don't make the decisions. We elect the ones who make the decisions. And if we don't like the decisions, then we elect someone else. They should represent the will of the people, but they don't always do that. But we don't understand kingdom mentality because we don't live in a kingdom mentality. Jesus said, all authority, both in heaven and earth, has been given unto me. Go therefore, because of what I just said, I'm deputizing you and implementing this authority in you to go into all the world. He said, but Peter, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Listen, guys, we just think things have to be the way they are sometimes. We just think. Things have to be the way they are sometimes. We don't have to live this way. You don't have to live this way. You don't have to be in bondage. You don't have to have those things uh, weighing and pressuring on you. Why? Because all authority has been given to me both in heaven and in earth. Now you go therefore in that authority. Glory to God. I've said it once and I'll keep saying it again. It is time for the church to rise up in the authority that God has given us and mandate the change in this world. You know, people say, well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, how do you know whether what you believe is truth or not? Well, you know my experience, the way I grew up. Well, my parents, what my pastor, what my church, what my grandmother taught me. How do you know what they taught you, what they said to you, what they put into you is right and is truth? There's only one litmus test, and that's the Word of God. But it causes us to change the way that we think. It causes us sometimes to swallow what we might have always thought and thought and think to have to change the nature of what we believe. Let me ask you this. Let's assume for a moment that we don't do anything. We don't change the way we think and we just keep operating the way we are. What if you're wrong? What if you, okay, well, I don't believe about all that authority. I believe that God's in control and ultimately whatever happens is His will. What if you're wrong? What if, I, what if we're wrong? What if I'm wrong? What if the authority of the church that he's given us was for just a specific period of time and now that's been gone away with the apostles? Well, if you're going to say that, then you've got to say, go therefore and I'll make all the disciples in the nation. You've got, to go, you've got to throw that out too. You can't box it up and make it look pretty and leave this out here. No, you've got to make disciples, but the authority you don't know. No, you've got to throw everything in there. You just live the way you want to live because after all, it's all going to iron itself out because of the will of God. What if you're right? What if that thinking, that mode of thinking is right? Okay? And what, we're, what I'm saying this morning or what we believe as a church is wrong. What's the worst that can happen? We'll be like Wile E. Coyote. We run so fast, we just leave an imprint of ourselves in the wall. Right? We slam up against the wall you know, bless his darling heart. They meant well, but they just missed it. But what if we're right and that mode of thinking is wrong? 
What, what if that's the case? What if it is wrong? Then you miss out on all these things that we could have done in life. I would rather shoot for the moon, right, and miss it and land in the atmosphere somewhere rather than not shoot for anything at all. And what I'm simply saying is when Jesus... How many of you know that the words that we just read in those two passages of Scripture are in red? Right? Let's read it one more time because I don't want to go to Romans. Well, I don't want anybody to say, but I put words in, okay? Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. The first part is in black. And Jesus came and spoke to them. Now it turns into red. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples. Is that what it says? All right, so then you go back to Matthew chapter 16. And he says, and I say to you, number 18, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Did Jesus say that from his mouth? Think about that. What would we do today if Jesus stood up, if he manifested himself in the flesh and said to you, Justin, all authority has been given to me. Now you go and make disciples. What would that make you feel like? Boy, you'd put that, you know, you put that little badge on your chest and you go, I've been deputized to go and make disciples. Glory to God. What if, what if Jesus himself, instead of Peter, came down today in, this, in the flesh and came down and said to you, said, Miss Geneva, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. How, what kind of, I mean, you'd leave here being like, I bind that, I loose this, I bind that, I loose this. Why? Because you've been deputized by Jesus himself. Listen to me, church. He's speaking to you and me. You don't have to go into your place of work or your place of business. You don't have to go into your school and be subject to the prince of the power of the air. You can change the atmosphere. When I first got here, I walked into the foyer and I said, Good Lord, man, it's a little cold in here. You know, you kind of know that it's cold when all the women have their jackets and their scarves still on. So goodness gracious, it was, you know, it's kind of cold in here. So I walked over to the thermostat. I took the key that I have on my keychain. I unlocked the box and I put, changed the temperature up three degrees. And Lainey, my middle daughter, she come up running to me. She said, Daddy, what are you doing? I said, I'm changing the atmosphere. And the Lord said, that's exactly right. I've called you. I've called this church. I've called the believers of this age to change the atmosphere. Well, how do we do that? Well, you just walk over to the thermostat and you bump it up or bump it down. See, but what, this is what we do as Christians. We walk into a room and it's cold and you go, ooh, the devil's here. Man, it's cold. It's cold in that. Don't go to that area of the city. It's cold. It's demonic. And you, we stand there and we look at that box that has the power to change the atmosphere and because it's got a lock on it, we walk away and we say, Lord, change the atmosphere of that place, Lord. Change it, Lord. And the, Lord said, I, the Lord's saying, I'm, I've given you the keys 
Just unlock the box and change it. Now, when you change the atmosphere, does it change automatically? No, when we first came into church this morning, it was a little cooler in this sanctuary. But I went back up there an hour ago, an hour and 20 minutes ago, and I changed the thermostat three degrees. Can you tell a difference? How long did it take? didn't take long. But now, if we don't do that, if we don't implement that, if we don't walk in that level of authority, then nobody else is going to do it. Is Jesus going to come down and do it himself? He already did it. Who did he deputize to do it? Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Now, he's talking about faith triumphing over death and and justification by faith. Romans 5, 8 is... is, uh, Romans 5, 6 is one of the best passages. 7 and 8, it says... For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Well, man, I'm not worthy, Pastor, to be a part of this church because I'm a sinner. Well, there's good news right there. Take verse 8 and put it on a sticky note and put it everywhere in your house. God demonstrates His own love towards you that while you were still sinners, he cried, Christ died for us. Well, I'm sanctified. So, the sinner's just as sanctified as you are. You just know it and have received it and accepted it and He doesn't. Boy, that one to preach right there. More, much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through what? Well, I thought the wrath of God was coming down upon the United States. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. That's another series that we'll start some other time. So then he goes on and he starts talking about the comparison between death in Adam and life in Christ. Now listen to me. He's talking about Adam and he's talking about Christ. What transpired as a result of Adam and his disobedience and what transpired as a result of Jesus and his obedience. Are you following me? Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because of because all sin... For until the law was in the world, but sin was not imputed to them because there was no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift, somebody say free gift, is not like the offense. For if By the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like the one which came through the one that sinned. For the judgment which came from, from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one's offense, one man's offense, death reigned through the one much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness 
will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. All right, so let's, let's recap. Matthew chapter 16, he gave us the keys. Matthew chapter 28, he deputized us. And Romans chapter 5, now it's our job to do the reigning, to do the, to do the binding and the loosing, to using the authority to allow. Remember I told you that the, uh, the uh, scribes, the Jewish scribes of those days said that binding and loosing had more to do with permitting and, and allowing and permitting or not allowing or uh, forbidding to happen. Listen to that. You've been given the keys to forbid or to not allow certain things or to allow them according through the one Jesus Christ. You can't operate in your authority. You can't operate in reigning in this life unless you have that relational connection with God Almighty, with Jesus. You cannot reign because you want to. You cannot do what you think you need to do. You have to do it within the confines and the structure of an intimate relationship with Jesus, through Jesus Christ, with God the Father, that He tells you and shows you both through the Word and through His spoken Word in your heart of what to do and how to do it in this earth. You cannot do that without relationship. But there are people that aren't even doing it at all. I would imagine that the, the tearing of the Lord to come has more to do with us than it does with Him. Don't you think, after you've been away for a long period of time, don't you want to see your family? Don't you want to be with them? Don't you want to gather them up? Because God's original intent for man has always and will always be His intent for man. God put man in the Garden of Eden in Genesis. And I don't have time to go back there like we did. But we, we talked about it last Sunday or the Sunday before that. I don't have time to go back there, but you can get the CD or you can download it. If we go back to Genesis, what was God's original intent for man? To rule and to reign over this earth. To be subject to no man but God Himself. And He walked in the cool of the day and in the evening with God and He fellowship with God. He walked and He protected and He tended to His garden. He tended and He worked with His hands and He took care of His wife. He took care of His family. That was God's intent. But then sin and deception entered in. Is that still God's intent? And we see that played out in the life of Jesus providing for us what we lost back then. Jesus came. And this is what he said. If by one man's disobedience, death reigned. The word reigning means to be a king, means to dominate, means to oversee. And to dictate. That's what it means. If by one man's disobedience, death had the dominion, had the authority, had the uh, dictatorial say-so in our lives. If death reigned because of one man's disobedience, how much more will those... How many of you believe that you're those? I believe it. I'm those. Will receive the abundance of grace and two specific things. The abundance of grace, unmerited unwanted favor that you didn't earn but you got it and the ability to do what God's called you to do it's not just unmerited favor grace is the ability to do what God has called you to do you've received the abundance I mean you got more than you need of grace to do what he's called you to do and the gift of righteousness 
Why would you need the gift of righteousness when the abundance of grace? So you can stand boldly before the throne of God and make petitions for people and things on this earth that you didn't have if you didn't have that righteousness. Righteousness, E.W. Kenyon says, is the ability to stand before God as if sin never existed. It's the ability to stand before God without the sense of inferiority, without the sense of displeasure, without the sense of disappointment. But you stand boldly before God the Father and you say, Daddy, I think you love me. My daughters, they don't care about you. They, if they got a question, they will more than likely run up here and interrupt to ask me a question. Now we've told them that's not, you know, that's not proper order in service. You know, but it still don't matter. I'll be on the phone with somebody and they will run in and interrupt me. And that's rude. Well, yeah, it is rude and we discipline and we, we teach them. But the heart of what they want to do, they don't know that that's bad. They just come want to ask daddy a question. So get before the Lord and talk to him. He's talking about what transpired as one man's disobedience and now what has transpired out of one man's obedience. The days of being subject to this world is over. Well, you know, God's not there. Well, then go there and show up and then God has showed up. It's worthy to note, let me read this to you, that while he says death reigned over us through Adam, he does not say life reigns over us through Christ, lest he should seem to invest this new life with the very attribute of death, that of fell and malignant tyranny of which we were helpless victims. You were and I were helpless victims to death. It reigned over us. Nor does he say life reigns in us, which would have been a scriptural enough idea, but which is, but which is more pregnant. We shall reign in life. While freedom and might are implied in the figure of reigning, Life is represented as the glorious territory or atmosphere of the rain. If death had, if we were subject to death, if we were bondage to death, if death was the king over us, and it, it was the, uh, the, 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 the word literally means to have predominance. If death dominated over us, and it did, it took Adam, what, 700 and something years to finally die, but death finally grabbed a hold. And all through history and all through time, man is living shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. Well, you want to know what I believe? According to the Word of God, that my youth is renewed like the eagle. So now we're back up on the other side of that. Why? Because God created your body and my body to heal itself. God created our bodies to replicate itself. Your body, your cell, every cell in your body replicates itself every so many years. But what happens as a result of death being in the world and putting ourselves on the path of death, every time it replicates it has a, a little bit more of a minor flaw and then another flaw. And that's what they call aging. 
We were never intended to age. We were intended to live. That's why we fight sickness and disease and death. You know, my littlest one was sick, got sick Friday night. I mean, uh, Thursday night. And uh, just began to, you know, throw up and everything else. And so we did like we always do. We laid hands on her and we prayed and we believed. And we set ourselves in agreement. And it took a little while, but she finally got all that stuff off her stomach, whatever it was. And then her body went into a fever mode. She began to have a fever. Now, most people will try to stop the fever. But if you talk to, if you do research and you talk to doctors, a fever is your body's way of killing the bacteria. Now, you don't want the fever to get too high. But you know what that baby did? She slept for almost 20, she, she has slept for 36 hours straight. And she got up this morning and she had a little bit of a cough. She had a little mild fever, but she was playing the phone, watching her little shows now. Yesterday she slept all day, all night long. Our bodies were designed to heal itself, to rest, to recuperate, to fight off bacteria and germs. Your body was was designated to do that. That is part of the ruling and the reigning that he's given us. That's why we fight sickness and disease with everything that's in us. Well, I, you know, I don't believe that it's God's will to heal everybody, Pastor. Well, then why do we have a billion and trillions of dollars in, in medical science and prescription pills if that's not intended for us to be well? My gosh, we passed a health care law mandating that everyone have health insurance. If you don't believe that it's God's will to heal, then why did you get insurance? Do you see how the enemy twists? Did you know that most every prescription drug is based off of a very natural herbal compound? Your body, this earth, was created from the earth, and so God has created us to heal itself and to nurture itself and to to be the dominating force in this world. That's why every society that has been twisted and has not followed God, has sought to dominate another society. Because it's in us. It's twisted, but it's in us. That's why the tyranny that we felt as the uh, initial Americans here on this country, that's why we fought it. And we declared a state of independence from England. That all men were created equal. We were created, we were born, we were built with the DNA to dominate and to rule and to reign. But in God's way. Notice he says this. We'll reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Through the one Jesus Christ. If one man's offense let loose against us the tyrant power of death to hold us as its victims in helpless bondage, Much more when we stand forth, listen, enriched with God's abounding grace and in the beauty of a complete absolution from countless offenses, shall we speak at length and in detail in a life divinely owned and legally secured, reigning in freedom and unchallenged might through through the other matchless one, Jesus Christ. That's what we were created for. That's what He has provided for. That is the provision. Death 
is death. It's not just spiritual death. It's physical death. There are things on this earth. There are things in this society. There are things in this town that the enemy desires to do. And the only people that can stop it are believers. Is the church. I believe that when we pray together as a church, demons flee. I believe that when we stand in the authority and we proclaim things about this nation and about this earth, they have no choice but to change. Why? Because that is the authority that God has given us. That is the the, uh, deputizing authority that He's given to us. Now, let me tie this up. Let me wrap it up and close. Some of you may look at me and go, well, I don't believe none of that. Okay? Then I challenge you to go to the Word of God and study it out for yourself. If you can't do that, then you're just carnal. That won't get me, uh, that won't get me no nice letters, will it, Marsh? It is not my responsibility, it is not our responsibility to teach it for you. I put it out there. We put it out there. We teach it. We, Jesus himself would teach and he would do, he would do what, what I like to call spiritual hand grenades. He would show up and he would go. He would say, uh, a farmer goes out and he casts seed and some by the wayside and some on thorny ground and some on good ground. And he said, let him who have ears to hear listen. And he'd just walk away. And then the disciples and some other people would walk up behind him and go, well, what, are you, what are you talking about? And Jesus would go, have you, have you not been with me? The, far, the sower sows the word. And he would explain in detail what it was. See, I, that's what I'm talking about. If this is in, I've given you three passages of Scripture that tell us that we have the authority, we have the keys, and that we are to rule and reign in this life. How, who, what, when, where. That's up for us to begin to study and to begin to see the plan that God has laid out for us. Sometimes we just think that things have to be the way they are. I said that earlier and I say it again. We just think things have to be the way they are. Well, you don't understand. I've got debt. I've got debt. Well, who says that it has to stay that way? Well, you don't understand my job. You don't understand, maybe this is for somebody, you don't understand my school. You don't understand the kind of people that are at school. I mean, they're just evil. Well, what are you? What kind of source resides on the inside of our young people? Planet shaking, school dominating, power of God. How about the next time somebody's sick at your school, why don't you ask them if you can pray for them, see what happens. We carry the life, whether you feel like it or not, you and I carry the life and the nature and the authority of God Almighty within us. Even while we were still sinners, He he died for us. So He saw something in you that you may not see, and nobody else may see, but He saw something in you and me and said, I've given you the authority. Now you go and operate in that authority. It's not just for us in here. And so we get together and we love on each other and we hug on each other. No, it's for us to take that force out there. 
is for us to take that force out there. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how that is practically implemented in your life, but I know that it starts with you and I waking up every morning saying, God lives in this man, in this woman. And bless God, when I go to school today, or when I go to work today, that person that's been aggravating me, because you don't wrestle against flesh and blood, although you'd like to sometimes. Somebody say, well, I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Yeah, but he uses flesh and blood. And sometimes you want to... Sometimes you need to lay hands on people. <laughs> but when you understand that when you wake up a time before your feet hit the ground, the authority and the victory has already been won, then you leave your house, you leave, and you come into that place with a knowing that I have the authority. Well, what if it don't work? Then you wake up the next morning and say, well, it didn't work yesterday. Something was wrong. Lord, show me. And then it didn't work again. And you go back to the Lord and you say, Lord, what's going on? What's not happening? I don't understand. And the Lord will show you and will reveal to you the time your feet hit the floor. You walk in a level of authority and dominion that has... That has do you understand the, 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 uh, the faith men of old look down upon us and they want to be, they desire, they, they are shouting for us because we live in the greatest time of the church that has ever existed. But we are so naturally minded and so carnally minded that, I mean, we, we can't see the forest for the trees. Well, I, I don't feel, I don't think, I don't have. Stop being dominated by your physical carnal senses. You dominate your senses. You wake up every morning and you take these verses and you say, I am what God has said I am to be, and I will take this to the ends of the earth. Stand with me. Glory, hallelujah. I can tell you that from my personal experience, that we have begun to walk in a level of authority in our own personal lives, me and April and our family. And God is revealing things to us and, and showing things to us like never before. But it don't always look like what you think it's going to look like. You know what? It looks better. It looks better. There are broken relationships in families. You've had your relationships broken as a result of your stand or as a result of things that maybe were outside of your control. And I hear the Lord saying that if you will take authority over that, you will begin to bind and to loose that. You will begin to walk in love that those relationships will begin to be mended back together. I keep hitting on this because I keep feeling like there's somebody or some person or two individuals in here, one maybe that goes to school. Maybe you've been dealing with a bully. Because you know, just because you get out of school, that don't mean bullies go away. Maybe you're dealing with a bully. Maybe someone's bullying you. You know what? That's dominating. That's dominance. That's contrary to the Word of God. You begin to fight that thing in the natural but by the Spirit of God, you fight that thing in the Spirit. And you say, I am not under subjection to somebody. I am not under oppression from that Spirit. The Spirit of God rises up within you. 
and He will lead you and guide you and He will move in that natural realm to where maybe that bully now will become your lifelong friend. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You know, debt is a dominating force. Proverbs says that the borrower is slave to the lender. Don't be in rapture. Don't don't get caught up in the idea that you can borrow more and get more and have more if you just borrowed. Don't get caught up into that. That's a slave mentality. He intended us to be lenders, not borrowers. But you can get free from that too. You can get free from that too. And just because the world says that your four-year-old vehicle is going to die on you one day when you're driving down the road, that's a lie. Sounds good. (laughs) But that's not truth. How about believing God and setting yourself in agreement with the Word of God and pay cash for a vehicle? How about paying cash for a house? There's one. Now, I believe that the dominating force that has been setting itself against you, whatever that is, has, to, has, to, has, has been found out today has been uncovered today. And now you realize that you are the dominating force. And so I just feel like the Lord wants us to just, I want, I want you to just bow your heads and let's just declare this together. Whatever this thing is, hold that thing up to the Lord. Whatever it may be that has been dominating you, that has been oppressing you, that has been holding you down. Every person quiet, every head bowed. Let's do this. Let's be reverent. Let's honor the Lord. Hold that thing up before the Lord and let's just pray this together. Heavenly Father, I believe that your will for my life is to walk in authority, to walk in dominion. And so I call this thing out and I bind it in the name of Jesus. You will not have dominance over me anymore. I dominate you for the spirit of the life of Christ Jesus has made me free. And I loose the ministering spirits. I loose the Word of God to change that situation. In the name of Jesus. Now just receive it by faith. Just say, I receive it in the name of Jesus. All the wisdom, all the knowledge, all the steps that need to take place between now and then to implement that victory in your life. Just receive it right now and begin to write it down. Begin to confess it. Begin to walk in that. He will show you. He will lead you step by step, dollar for dollar, situation by situation, words to say to speak to that person or to that situation. And I believe He will lead us and lead you into freedom. Father, I declare that over every person here today. That we have the keys, we've been given the authority through Christ to operate in that authority and in that dominion out of relationship with you, Father. So I thank you for leading us and for guiding us in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Brother Bill, would you come and 
close us out. You know, um, some of y'all may have heard this. Most of you have not. It goes exactly along with what he preached. Several years ago, <clears throat> I had this vision. There was someone broke into a store downtown Tifton. Deputy sheriff shows up, got his badge, got his gun, got his cop car, and he says, at that time, Gary Val was our sheriff, and he said, Boy, you wait till Gary Val gets here. Boy, you wait till the sheriff. Boy, when the sheriff shows up, you're going to be in trouble. You wait for the sheriff. Boy, when he, you're going to be in trouble when the sheriff gets here. And the sheriff shows up and said, wait, whoa, 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 hold it. Is that a badge? Does it not say deputy? Do you not have a gun? Why are you waiting for me? You have the authority. Stop this yourself. And that's exactly what Jesus said. I have given you the authority. Stop it. That's who you are. Don't call on me. Jesus, I've already did it. Remember when I hung on the cross and I said it's finished? I did everything I came to do. I've conquered it. Now I've given you the authority. You walk in it. Father, I thank you for the revelation. I thank you that we are people of authority. We are people who will walk. You have given us the keys, Father God. Just like the pastor said, unlock the thing, change the atmosphere. When we walk into a place, Father, the atmosphere should change because you are there. The fragrance of who you are. People should notice. Father, I thank you that we're doing that. I thank you that we're walking into this world our ministry is not inside these walls. Our ministry is outside these walls. We come together as a family to have a family reunion, to have a, a, a fellowship of one another, but our ministry, our work is outside. And Father, thank you for that revelation that we change the atmosphere. We change what takes place. I thank you for that. And I declare that revelation sinking down into us, Father God. I thank you, Father God, that the spirit of revelation dwells in us and you give us understanding. And you give us, just like the pastor said, you give us the ability to go through those steps to get from where we're at to where we need to be, sir, where you intended for us to be. And it's not just about me, Father. It's about what you've given to me to set someone else free. The gospel is good news. We take good news to those who are in captivity that they do not have to be in captivity anymore in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, Father, we bless. By your name, I declare blessing over everyone here who has heard this word and that they go out and they live according to this word and they take it to those, Father God, who need to hear and be set free. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.